Traveling the Vortex. Join the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 535 with a spot on landing and no one around to impress. I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. Apparently Sean had not read the uh, <laughs> note before you said it. <laughs> or he's just being polite. I had, no, I, I had not. And by God, if that just doesn't sum us up. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing? How's everybody? Pretty well. How about you guys? I'm doing well. Did you guys watch anything this week? Do anything fun this week? I didn't, so I'm gonna let you guys go. I I apparently when I watched all my films I caught up for like the year or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway through the live action Cowboy Bebop and liking it a lot. Oh really? Yay. Yeah, yeah I really like it. And it has been fifteen years since I watched the anime, so my memory of it is not super sharp. So that could be part of why I'm enjoying it so much, but it's got the what I think it feels like Cowboy Bebop while being live action. It's stripped away some of what I consider the annoying anime aspects of it. And from what I remember, aside from the big story arc, which I think they're getting more detail into, everything else is brand new. So it's not like it's a true adaptation, but it's got the spirit and the feel of it while bringing it almost more modern. And I think they're doing a great job with it. I, I really hope they stick the landing on the latter half. But so far, it's really good. Sean, what'd you do? What'd you watch? Um, honestly, not a lot this week. We we kind of uh, uh, had a little bit of a low key. Um, still struggling to get back into the swing of things with uh, uh, work and the kiddo back to school and realizing that okay, the holidays are over, only to find out that Shy's out of school this coming Friday and we're off for Martin Luther King Day. Um, so then suddenly we're going to have another four day weekend after we thought we were done with it. It's like, Oh, sneak attack holiday. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just been, uh, kind of getting back into the swing of things. I've just been watching TikToks and watching Karen Gillan, <laughs> watching TikTok troll Karen Gillian at this point. I think they're trolling her. Um, she's been trying to get her account verified for about two weeks now. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's clearly obviously her. I don't know why they won't verify her but somebody uh, on one of these other doctor who related uh fan accounts that i watched she said you know i think karen gillen is now the girl who waited for the blue check mark <laughs> hi i'm rupert Booth. i am known as paul ferry and my name is barry williams together we host time ram time ram's a cruel mistress it's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, let's talk news. Should we mention? Oh yeah, let's talk we, presents. We finally distributed presents to each yes, other. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was finally because I was sick. I was late getting presents out to everybody. So uh, this is our uh, first week to be able to talk about that. Um, That's who, news. Who wants to go first? 
Okay, I will. <laughs> it's minor Doctor Who related, so um, nice little segue there. Um, actually, uh, Sean got me. Uh, well, I didn't get anything Doctor Who related for Christmas um, until <laughs> until uh, you guys. So, so thank you. You guys have fulfilled the uh, gig holiday um, from my family. I got the the Beatles um, Get Back book that accompanies the the series. Uh, I got some leg massagers, things like that. Uh, nothing, nothing geek related but but fine gifts nonetheless but uh keith no yeah i'm gonna start with sean's sean got me uh two of the doctor who figurine collection figures i got the um the d84 dumb robot from the robots of death and omega from the three doctors and i love the robot from robots of death but my favorite of the two is the Omega figure. It's really, really cool looking. <laughs> very, very you, cool. You don't have either of those. I don't right? have either of those. And and he's, okay. I've, in fact, I've got Omega sitting over here where I can see him because, well, I can see both of them, but like Omega's closer because that's a really nice figure. I really, really like that figure. So, And then this is really cool. And Sean and I were wondering, I think Sean was wondering if we got maybe the same thing, but we'll find out. Uh, Keith got Similar. me this really, really cool tiki, uh, I want to say mug, uh, tiki glass. What, what is it? Tiki container it's vessel. Tiki. vessel. Yeah, well, it's, it's from Geeky Tiki, but it's a, it's a tiki vessel you drink tiki drinks out of. It's really cool. But it's, it's a Dalek. It is so cool. It is so cool. And I, I've, I'll take pictures of my stuff and, and post them for the uh, listeners, but the, the, where did you find this thing? I've never even seen anything like this before. I mean, obviously, Amazon. geeky, tiki, geeky. <laughs> Sarah had seen a, a Grogu one. I was like, I wonder if the guys would like that. And I was like, I wonder if there's Doctor Who ones of that. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, there are. It's so cool because it's got that Polynesian look. It's stylized with the kind of, you know, uh, bamboo looking uh kind of wicker look to it it's it's a ceramic mug but it's it's just it's really stylized with that real you know that tiki look it's just there it's really cool i was i was very very surprised by that like i said never seen anything like that before what about you guys well sean got me a very nice mug with a hot chocolate bomb in it that i have not yet consumed Ooh. and a giant's giant's rice uh reese's peanut butter cup I thought you were going to say Rice Krispie Treat. I started to and then corrected myself. <laughs> and then Glenn got me a card game called Here to Slave that looks like it's a lot of fun from the creators of Unstable Unicorns, which is a really cool game. Yeah. So that I'm looking was, forward to breaking that out. That was a uh, TikTok recommendation as well. <laughs> I watched, uh, there was a guy, it, it came up on my feed. There's a, a game guy that does games and he reviews them and talks about them. And it came up on my feed, and it looked like a lot of fun. So much so that I went looking for another uh, TikTok talking about it because I didn't feel like the gay, the guy did <laughs> enough to justify the game because it looked really cool. And I thought, okay, it can't be that cool. And so I went to another one. I watched it. And I was like, okay, I'm totally getting this game. So, well, and I the art on it is from T Turtle, which I've always loved their art. Whenever I've seen them at. Uh, planet comic-con too so that's an added bonus yeah thank you absolutely 
Well, I from Glenn got. Uh, <laughs> we shouldn't have let Sean. Slay, we shouldn't have let Sean go last. <laughs> which is a uh, a very cool uh, card game from the Crazy Wednesday Unicorns. And uh, no, uh, we 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 have Unstable Unicorns, and we love playing Unstable Unicorns. Yeah, yeah, um, we do too. You know, obviously that's kind of a Mel thing, but um, you know, yeah, I had to get her that. Um, so we've got, I think at this point, all but one of the expansions. A set of cards for the game and you know anytime we go to a con and they've got a oh you can pick up a special card that's only available here we do that and mm-hmm. uh whatnot and it's a lot of fun so this looks hysterical it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and both of us were like ooh, <laughs> when, the, when the rapper came off of that um keith <laughs> i have to apologize for him because buddy i'm telling you you are the hardest person on my shopping list to get things for <laughs> And that sounds odd because it, it, it I, you know, you just on the surface, you would go, well, that's easy. Just get him this or, you know, get him that. And I kind of feel like we've run the gambit of stuff that falls into that category. And I didn't want to get you yet another coffee uh, gift card. I know you would use it. And I know you would love it, but I just, I want to do something a little more. Um, so the, 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 the cocoa bomb is homemade. I, I wondered uh, that I was going to ask. And uh, you just you set it down in there, and I, I hope you're keeping it somewhat cold. It's not melted yet, so <laughs> we don't keep our house um, that warm. But you, you put your hot water in there, and it, the whole thing dissolves, and then it's not only got the cocoa mix in it, but the chocolate, and then there's marshmallows and like a whole bunch of stuff. So there's a whole process oh, cool. of things that will go on when you when you melt it. It's, it's yeah, a very I'm, cool I'm thing. I've not done one before, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. Too. And, of course, the coffee mug is like, well, anytime you have a coffee mug that's the size of a serving bowl, I figure... That, that's a that's an added bonus um but the, the the reese's was just kind of like okay i'll add this in because i didn't want it to be a gift card and i feel like i have slighted you because oh, no, not at all well I, I i unlike glenn and no offense glenn i can gl- get glenn something doctor who and he will be ecstatic about it <laughs> doesn't matter what it is that's be, true. i knew that he would like these but he will just be like oh my god this is the coolest thing ever and you know that's kind of a yeah that's safe I know that with you and the kids and Sarah and everything, it's almost like bringing in contraband, it feels like, at this point. <laughs> well, and with the new house, uh, my room for knickknacks is not as much as at the old house. Mm. So not having the knickknacks, about, so. I, I kind of appreciate that. I went consumable, but I feel bad. No, <laughs> I don't, don't feel bad. It's, and knowing that it's homemade, too, that's really even cooler. Well, especially in light of your gift to me, which... Yes, is a geeky tiki. <laughs> I got you the canine one. That's right. Oh, you got the I canine one. This. Oh, wow. We opened that box and our jaws hit the floor. <laughs> we were like, oh, <laughs> are you kidding? I didn't know this was a thing. Did you know? This? I didn't know this was a thing. Did you know? This? I didn't know it was a thing. Back and forth all through the thing. And we opened up the canine box and pulled him out. And he is this just precious ceramic dog. Um, You know, I, I could not be more pleased and I have no idea from a, a, a fundamental standpoint, what I'm going to do with him as far as like, I don't, it, it doesn't feel like a mug that you can actually drink out no, of no, because he's yeah. you know, square. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially the canine like the, one. The canine one. Like the Dalek like one you could probably get away with, but yeah, this one's a, a kind of a weird trapezoidal box shaped thing, but I'm thinking maybe a planter would be kind of cool for right now. He's just sitting on the shelf with the rest of the doctor who stuff. Yeah, I'm that's, really seriously thinking about putting a plant in him. That's why I said I got, I, <laughs> I had to make room on my Dalek shelf for mine because I was like, this has got to go with the Daleks. (laughs) 
Well, and then we saw on the box that there were the 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 four or the th- four in a set. That there was the canine, yeah. the Dalek, like the TARDIS, and uh, I don't remember what the other the, one. The Eleventh Doctor, I think. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. immediately I, I thought to myself, I wonder if Glenn got the Dalek. I'll bet he got the Dalek. <laughs> well, you had so said. So when Glenn and I talked, I asked, <laughs> have you opened your gift from Keith yet? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay. Well, he said, I didn't want to you, say said you said, I wonder if we got similar things is what you said. Yeah. And that you didn't, you didn't, that you didn't go any further. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't even go any further. You just said, I wonder if we got similar things. So as soon as I opened this, I thought, okay, Sean got something too. It probably wasn't the dog. I didn't. I didn't look at the box. The, the other ones that were available. I'm going to have to go grab the box now. And look at them because I didn't look. But um, I, I there kind of figured the... if there were other ones that you probably got something that wasn't something else that wasn't Dalek. It looks like there used to be a mini set you could buy that's sold out. That's a Dalek, a Weeping Angel. The Eleventh Doctor and a Cyberman. Oh, cool! But they retired it. Oh, no Cyber Tiki for Keith. Well, the uh, the the I oh. put a link in the chat for the. Oh yeah, the Tardis. There's the Tardis. That's oh, that's cool looking. Well, now I need it that one. To go, so, I need that one to go with my so on my. Cool I need that one to go on my Tardis shelf now. Dang it. <laughs> Um, well, maybe I shouldn't have shared that. And I would have yeah. <laughs> there you go. You. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, uh, this Dalek Tiki, it, it made me want to go now and get like, like down in the family room, like create a little Tiki corner, you know, with all the Tiki decorations <laughs> and a, a little Tiki bar, you know, <laughs> get some umbrellas. And... Yeah. Just, just so I could feature the Dalek with it all. That would be so cool. <laughs> so yeah, Keith, I, I, I am so so pleased you have no idea i just i geeked I'm, out very hardcore about it and i I'm to the point where i feel bad that you got what you got because it was like oh this is so much better than what i got <laughs> well i was worried that it, if anybody had one i figured it was going to be you sean because you had gotten me the geeky tiki of the lawgiver from planet of the apes once upon a time yeah so i was like well I, hopefully he hasn't seen this at some convention because if somebody saw one at a convention it would be you and <laughs> picked it up because you know glenn and i don't go to him as much anymore so yeah no it's uh in fact the lawgiver was uh that was a find at alamo draft house and we instantly were like dibs got it i know who needs this um, but beyond that, I never actually went and searched any of them out or anything. And honestly, with the convention circuits now, it's kind of gotten to the point where, you know, one trip through the dealer's room and you realize eh, everybody's got the same pop figure assortment. I don't really need any of those. So you kind of, yeah, I don't do a lot on, on the dealer's room floor anymore. Oh, the, the canine is adorable. Isn't it cute? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of Star Wars. I want too. this. I want this whole slope. set. <laughs> yeah, I want this whole set of the Doctor Who ones. Oh, there's like, Di- even the oh, there's Doctor Disney ones. And... There's Disney. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I need and to look at the awesome. only look for <laughs> Sean. There's a stitch. <laughs> ah! Sorry. <laughs> there's even Back to the Future ones. I don't need another website that's going to cost me money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Doc and Marty. <laughs> and that you is even get great. With Doc. <laughs> Heidi. Oh, that is too cool. Yeah. I, I no offense, Keith, but you know, the eleventh doctor, as cool as he is, it's honestly is, is the weakest. It is of the, the weakest, yeah. yeah. It's still cool though. It is still cool. But it's still cool. A Christmas story. They've got the leg lamp and bunny suit Ralphie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Batman the Classic series. Get out of the... Oh, they got a Batman and a Joker. Two-pack. It's so... Okay, right. We have... we got to stop. we got to move on. <laughs> We've gone down a rabbit hole. These things are so Oh, cool. there is a punch bowl of a fallen AT-AT. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that, that is... That is heard was going cool. favoriting the site. That is too cool. Oh... Uh, all right, now let's move. <laughs> Thank you guys for the gifts. It was very yeah, nice. Thank you. Um, Merry Christmas to all. Merry to Christmas. All a good night. Merry belated Christmas. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, our news. Well, uh, they have announced that Jemma Redgrave, a.k.a. Kate Stewart, will be back for the new season with Shudi Gatwa. Hey. And the 15th Yay. Doctor. Yeah, it looks like they are uh, already shooting the uh, new series. So. Yeah. The and, next uh, series. Not just Kate Stewart, but Unit, of course, will be back, too. Uh, they also did another casting announcement that... And wherein Barnard is going to be showing up, um, playing Davy. Oh wait, no, no, that's a role he previously played. They have not announced his role yet, so he, he potentially could be a villain. Uh, joins the series as the mysterious Roger A.P. Gwilliam, according to this. There it is. Yeah. Yes. So mysterious. I think they said that there was a in on one of the set photos. There is a. It looks like like a political poster. That has him on it, so I'm wondering if he's some sort of Saxon-esque type uh, mm. character. Okay, pens out. Let's look for anagrams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. What's I, I'm not sure why AP is lower cased on this. If that was a mistake, or that's that's from the official Doctor Who account, uh, Twitter Twitter account. But it's Roger, and then lowercase AP, and then capital G W I L. Boy, so it stands hmm. for a person. I'll tell you. Because he's totally not an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, though, this name looks like an anagram. This name totally looks like an anagram. G. William? Yeah. Roger App. <laughs> and that's when we lost him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys keep talking. I'm going to work on this. Um, <laughs> No, I'll work on it later. All right. <laughs> I'm always excited to see Kate back. I am yeah. too. And um, it's one of those things that I it, I think it's even more special. It It's sort of a well-duh. She's an ongoing character. She's a very good character, strong actress. It makes sense to bring her back. But I think it's also sort of a, yay, this is a Moffat character that RTD is now carrying on. This was a, a Moffat-created uh, character. And so I'm glad to see that happening because it's not like I didn't think Russell would do this, but it's good that RTD's you know just kind of taking everything that's come before and embracing it, and you know it's it's part of Doctor Who, and he realizes that. So I'm excited for that. 
Yeah, that and- timeless child story arc. He could ditch that anytime. <laughs> Just saying. I think he's. I think he will. I think he will ignore that for a while and address it later down the road. That's my. We'll that's see. my. That's my prediction. It's also one of those things where you know, at one point we thought unit was gone, thanks to Chibnall. So it's right. nice to have a reassurance that you know it's going to go on, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he. If, with all the talk of potential spinoffs and, you know, a universe, if they are going to eventually be working towards a unit TV series. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Especially since Kate Stewart is so well loved and if they can get Osgood back, too, I mean. Right. You've already got a Big step- Finish obviously has shown us that it's a successful franchise right. with as you, many box sets as they have. You've got a strong foundation for the series already. So um, it, it makes me, it made me think of when they announced this, it made me think of Sean making that statement when we reviewed Power of the Daleks that, yeah, and then they ran out the building, blow it up, and then uh, Chibnall, you know, brushes his hands and says, okay. Now you can reset and do whatever you want with it in <laughs> the next series. And that's now what it feels like they did is Chibnall went, okay, we're going to tear down the unit that I created or that I, you know, fostered. And now you've got a clean slate. So I think you were right on, right on the nose on that, Sean. <laughs> did we lose Sean or did we lose me? I'm always right on the nose, Glenn. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's he, I'm sorry. I was he's looking asking. at he's looking at the Rocketeer Tiki now, isn't he? Yeah, he's <laughs> drooling over the Rocketeer. <laughs> Keith with the Rocketeer Tiki in the uh, chat. I didn't know so. that one was uh, there. <laughs> didn't know that one existed. Uh, oh, there's a Chewbacca down here at the bottom too. I didn't see. These, okay, there's stop! So I got to get away. Many. I've got to get away from this site. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Cheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Uh, Let's move on to our reviews. We should mention that in the graphic uh, and the timeline that we're utilizing, at this point, we are at the end of Act 2. And in this grouping is also, prior to this, Diary of River Song, the rulers of the... uh, Ruler of the... I I don't have it all on here. How come I can't see it all? Anyway, the Diary... Oh, Universe. Rulers of the Universe. Which was Diary of River Song 1-4, which we already reviewed. Uh, If you want to listen to our review of that, that's episode... 437. Also in this uh, section, they've lumped in uh, the Santorno deal from Classic Monsters, uh, Cl- Classic Doctors New Monsters 1-3. We reviewed that back in uh, Traveling the Vortex episode 453. And then with the, the that's kind of the sandwich because we're about to do the, as Keith was going to say, Classic Doctors New Monsters Volume 2. We're going to do the entire set, although only Day of the Vastinerata technically is part of the Time War. The other ones take place outside the Time War, but we kind of felt like we would just box them all together and do them all at once. But I should say then after this in our in our timeline as well would have been the Legacy of Time, which was a big finish box set uh, that we did. We reviewed that back in Traveling the Vortex Episode 440. 
And then Night of the Doctor, of course, which was the 50th anniversary special, uh, which, or no, I'm sorry, was the mini-sode during the 50th anniversary uh, celebration. And then we reviewed that story in uh, TTV episode 151. So I will put links in the show notes. So if you want to go back and listen to those shows and hear what we thought of those, but I would be remiss not to mention that these particular stories that we've already reviewed would take place at least in the timeline that we're using. So to refresh everyone's memory, (laughs) uh, rulers of the universe and Santaran ordeal are both eighth doctor stories. Yes. Right. Yes. Which is why they go back fit here. Go back for just a second. Night of the doctor. We reviewed in episode 100 and 151. Yep. Right. Well, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Almost. Will, yeah, it'll be 10 years ago here in about in November, seven months Ooh. or 10 months. Yep. Time flies. It does. <laughs> all right. So now all that out of the way. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Classic Doctors, New Monsters, Series 2. I see only darkness. Darkness? She thinks, she thinks they were eaten by the dark. There is a species I know of that matches that description. They're called... They're called the Vashta Narada. Yes. Yes, they know that name. The what? Vashta Narada. Open fire! Is anyone still alive out there? I I picked up your distress call, and I promise I mean no harm. This plan of yours was foolish. There is still no harm. So you keep saying. Doctor... No! No! Get away from me! Empress, I am warning you. Run away, my little man! Consider this a taste of what's to come. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. What? You're surely not going to... You three have answered guilty to the charge of Creeman acceptance. We are, after all, witches. What's happening? They're glowing. What was and yet shall be. I and my mother set free. Well, there's someone here, a Time Lord, calls himself a doctor? I can handle the doctor myself. All the emergency systems that should kick in have been locked off in these sections. We're isolated from the main hub. Turn around, very slowly. What's that behind you? is my shadow. Cast by what? The glass! If the Vashti Narada are past the primary and secondary shielding... They're almost here. There's something on the other side. It's like they're trying to get in. Big finish. We love stories. Knights of the Vashti Narada. Fun world was set to be the happiest planet in the galaxy. A planet of joy, euphoria, and laughter and delights. Except construction was marred by reports of a predator, and then a few days before opening, all communications ceased. Owner, owner Georgia Donnelly is desperate to open the resort and has hired Amanda Steele's crew to find out what happened to the planet. They're the best, but even they might not be up to the task. Joined by the doctor and being picked off one by one, they slowly start to realize that something terrifying lurks in the shadows. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, I did too. I did three. I think um, 
being a fourth doctor story, it, you know, hits home because it's one of my favorite doctors. Um, certainly I like the idea of the vast generata. I'm glad that they, uh, expanded on that and sort of showed us, um, some of the maybe origins of the species as well. Um, I think one thing that bothers me about this that I'll particularly point to, and I think I had said this in another fourth doctor and Sarah Jane story that we reviewed just not too long ago. It's another situation. And I understand that the doctor has to be there and the doctor isn't not doing anything because he is the reason why the Vastra Narada does not end up going to earth. Uh, at, at least at this point, um, because he, because of him, he thwarts that. But again, it's another one of these stories where he shows up and everybody still dies, still dies. And, to me, that's a little frustrating because I want the doctor to be able to... The doctor doesn't have to save everybody. The doctor can't always save everybody. But we keep getting these fourth doctor stories where the doctor shows up by himself and can't save anyone. And I'm just... That that was the one thing that bothered me about this, that there wasn't one at least one person that survived this whole ordeal. Yeah, I can see that complaint, but it also kind of fits with where I envision this time in his timeline. Very much in that hinchcliffe era where you know like horror, or, fang, horror rock. fang rock yeah <laughs> yeah where nobody survives and i mean the death count in that <laughs> time frame of of his run was pretty high so i kind of was slotting that in there in the latter half so it 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 did i can see your complaint but it didn't bother me mostly because you know the idea of exploring other versions of the vast Narada and you know more exp- explanation into how they exist and how they exist everywhere uh i thought was really cool the idea of these hunters coming to help clear out fun world to make sure that they can open i I thought was uh, a nice idea a bit you know early on um nightmare and stover you know like the beginning half of what could have been before the planet got completely lost um and more than anything it was so refreshing to have a different doctor. <laughs> as much as I love the eighth doctor, it was like, oh, wow, I have missed Tom. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> hearing other doctors and jumping away from the time war was such a, just a refreshing change of pace. Right. Because, in fact, I don't think we've done a fourth doctor audio, and correct me if I'm wrong, but since we did Time Lord Victorious with that Dalek story in that one, right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, I was just looking to see what. Um, the uh complete uh uh adventures of the uh, complete adventures index that we use which is uh again ispider.org.uk um steve puts it in the yeah right after deadly assassin or not right after but uh, after the tv story deadly assassin so it would have been in that he picks leela up in face of evil and then robots of death follows that talons follows that so yeah it's right in that kind of you kind of did narrow it down into that uh, era because he would have been traveling by himself after dropping uh, Sarah off and then going back to Gallifrey and then traveling by All, himself for a while. So, yeah. Although the more I think about how, you know, his drop line of, uh, I was feeling morose because one of my, my traveling companion left me for pastures new, almost could go after Leela leaves because Leela was more, you know, Sarah Jane had to leave didn't necessarily go to pastures new where Leela left and stayed behind someplace different from where she began. I, I agree so with, it, I agree with that 
but when he says that line, I immediately thought of Sarah Jane because that's something the doctor would say because he doesn't want to admit that he was the oh, reason why good. she left. He would say it in such a way that didn't really uh, blame him for doing it. So I, I kind of felt that he was referring to Sarah Jane at that point. And he probably would be a bit, as much as he liked Leela, I think he would, would probably be a bit sadder and a little, mm, I want to cheer myself up more in the aftermath of deadly assassin and having to leave Sarah behind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that I, I totally mentally slotted it in there. And it's funny that you mentioned Hinchcliffe, uh, and, and that era, because one of the other hallmarks of that era was, well, let's borrow, uh, from, uh, you know, the monster movies. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we had a Frankenstein story. We had a, you know, thing in the lighthouse. We had a, we didn't, we had Dracula, but we didn't get that till later in the run. Um, but this is aliens. Yeah, sure. It, it's a you know group of people going on a bug hunt. <laughs> there's, an, <laughs> there's an evil corporation that's pushing for the money factor. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of ticked a lot of boxes in that regard. And it was like, yeah, totally. I can see this. And, um, I agree. It was fun to hear Tom again, like you. I didn't realize quite how much I missed him after, you know, a full year of uh, uh, a war master and uh, a, a doctor. Not that I don't love those, but right. uh, it, it's nice to break out and get something a little refreshing. And uh, this one was, I, I really enjoyed the fact that this is uh, his first encounter with the Vashta Narada. Mm-hmm. Because there are many times where the doctor encounters something and immediately begins to rattle off a, oh, this is a blah, 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 you know. And you kind of wonder, it's like, well, okay, I mean, he's well-traveled. But then again, I also like it when the Doctor is faced with genuine mysteries. Right. And this is one of those rare exceptions where we kind of had a leg up on him because we know what the threat is, and he's only had rumor and hearsay and, you know, legends and stories about it. Um, So while that could lead to a anticlimactic okay hurry up and kill somebody because we know what's coming you know kind of standpoint i didn't feel that with this one i, yeah. I it, it kept me kind of i won't say on the edge of my seat but uh, it, it did uh, the, the tension was ramped up in such a way that uh you know i was curious to see how it was going to go down well and the fact that he had heard of them before but not actually encountered them right helped him not be completely on the back foot the whole time which was a good thing since we would have been on the front foot the entire time that way right yeah there was a nice balance to it i'll go so far as to say i think this might be the strongest one in the set i'm tipping my hand a little bit but <laughs> uh maybe i think as we yeah yeah i think maybe i th- yeah i think i think i would concur i think this is the strongest of them i well i'm trying to think if i'm i i'm, I'm being biased because it's tom but I, I think the story is the strongest of all of them. Despite my uh, problem with the fact that everybody dies, I think that it's it is certainly the strongest and more most. I don't want to say I again. I hate to say enjoyable story to something that has so much dark and death, but it it is a it is an enjoyable listen. So, well, let's move on to the next one. Empire of the Rechnos. When a distress call rips the TARDIS from the vortex, dragging it back through time, it arrives in the midst of a conflict between Gallifrey and an ancient foe. The Doctor, as ever, wants to help, but in returning a wounded combatant home, he becomes further and further entangled in a web of deceit and recrimination. 
a web spun by an eight-legged empress and her minions. The Empire of Ragnos is at war, and wherever he stands, the Doctor is on the wrong side. This one was good, but <laughs> this not... was a, this was exhausting in a bad way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I like I liked the story. I, I I'm pretty sure I'm on record as not being a huge fan of the Ragnos as a, a an alien beastie um, when that episode came out. Um, not only because it's spider related, but just because it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a little too I don't want to say pantomime, but uh, grandiose, a little over over the top as yeah. far as villainy goes. And so doing a story that incorporates them is like, okay, well maybe we'll maybe we'll do them some justice. And there was a lot of kind of cool world building for the Rachnos as a species and as a people and their politics and whatnot. Unfortunately, because it's an audio presentation, this one falls into that. Let's everybody yell and scream and hiss into the microphone. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's part of the for reason. For an hour, that's just part of the reason why it's exhausting. Do. Yeah, yeah. I, I applaud the fifth doctor being the one to uh, to encounter this group for this particular scenario because you know it seems like of all of the doctors, he would be the one to try and play peacemaker. Yeah, even knowing the outcome of of how the the grander scheme of things in the war is going to go right um but uh yeah it just just kind of hung out there <laughs> well and the fact that he does kind of get a win over the Ragnos, and the fact that he does get to save all the children and take them someplace quote-unquote safe for them to grow up which was a nice change of pace after the last story where the doctor yeah he he defeats the the bassinerata kind of and keeps people from coming to that planet eventually, but everybody still dies. Where this, at least, he gets to save what he's trying to eventually save. Right. That's very true. Going back to to the Vashinarana one for just a moment, did anybody else feel like maybe the Doctor's uh, warning buoy wasn't strong enough worded? Well, yeah, like, I, I, <laughs> I I think that uh, I was going to bring that up when we got to. Night of the oh, okay. or uh, day of the next faster harada, but yeah, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I just if, if you <laughs> want to keep people away from the planet, you can't just say stay away from this planet. Right, right. Uh, you, you've got to give me more <laughs> because that is kind of like an open invitation. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go touch the butt. You know, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't lay that on me. Right. Now, if you came back and said. There's a plague. There's a, a contaminant. There's a highly, you know, okay, that's that's a reason to stay away. I don't want to get infected with something that, you know, or, or just say, Vashta Narada here. And that would be enough, I think, for me to go, hmm, yeah, no, man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk going to fun world today. <laughs> Maybe not. But that's just me. I, yeah. No, I was going to, I was going to bring that up and then when we got to that last story because I kind of felt like it obviously wasn't strongly worded enough because nobody took, <laughs> they didn't heed the warning later. But anyway, um, I have one of the things about this I was going to ask and it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. So don't, don't make it sound like I'm, I'm doing a, this was a hard and fast rule. <laughs> like Sean brought up last week, this was a hard and fast rule that they don't, you know, they don't do it. Now they're doing it because I kind of, this comes across the same way, but I got the impression that this is, they they said and they said that Gallifrey uh, battling an ancient foe, which is obviously the Rachnos. We don't have any information that they were battling the Rachnos in modern times for Gallifrey. I presume this is back in the dark times, right? Yeah, I was, I presume or, or that very too, nearly. Or yeah. very nearly. Okay, 
You, because you also says it dragging it back through time. Yeah, right. Description. So we went to great lengths for many, many years to say we don't go to the dark time. We don't go to the, you know back to the dark times. We don't do a lot of that. We time lords really aren't allowed to go. In fact, there are a lot of occasions and stories when he actually does that. It's very difficult to get there in order to you know to get to that place because of some sort of maybe equivalence to a time lock or whatever. But it seems like recently now we're getting a lot of these stories, and I think obviously the big one was Time Lord Victorious, but because of what the intent of that uh, story arc was, you had to do it. So it made sense, and I, I didn't have a problem with it. But it seems like recently we're seeing past Doctors ending up in the Dark Times, or at least near to it, and it just seems kind of... I don't know if that's coincidental, or if there's we're running out... I mean, there's a there's a lot of time to deal with i mean <laughs> you've got an infinite amount of time why do we feel like we have to go back to the, <laughs> to the dark times i mean i guess because over the years and i'm probably about to rationalize this we've heard so many s- stories or mentions about um adversaries you know that from the dark times and so now we are going okay well maybe we should explore some of those you know characters from the from the dark times and this is the way they do it but it just seems like that seems to be happening to me is that just me or happening a lot is that just me i think it's happening a lot but more than it used to at least i think it's a twofold issue um in particular one because it's the rachnos and the little bit of information that we gleaned from them in that special which i will be honest it's been forever since i've watched the runaway bride but isn't there a line about that they were essentially wiped out at the end of the war and that he was quite surprised to find one. Yes. In fact, yeah, that, that is, and that's when, because we discovered that this is where one of the, the, that earth was where one of her broods was. So, yeah. So by nature of the, the, the creature then, um, when we're, okay, we're going to do a classic doctor's new monsters box set. What are you going to do with the Ragnos? Okay. Immediately you kind of have to go back. Mm Mm-hmm because there's not a lot of option to move forward unless you pull a and miraculously somehow Palpatine <laughs> returned uh, and you don't really explain it. But because of where they're at, that makes going back difficult. Aha, the time war, which is a convenient ongoing thing because the, the doctor mentions it, that even though the fifth doctor shouldn't be aware of it, but yet he is because of the nature of the time war, that it has ripped all of these places asunder and and this kind of stuff. So it kind of becomes an easy as a writer. Well, there's your excuse that you can now go back and visit the dark times Mm -hmm. and just blame it on the time war that this thing happened. And because it's such a massive event in the, in the universe that it's unpredictable and and you kind of have that easy out there. Do I like that? That's the way they went with it. Eh, You know, I get it, but (laughs) I, I, I agree with you. It seems like, if this is forbidden, it should be kind of a one and done thing, right. and and then we don't we don't do it again. That's why it's or know, or or we we do it okay, rather, so or we on. do it rather sparingly or very sparingly. Yes. So according to Tardis Wiki, the Dark Times is the prehistoric area period in Gallifreyan history before they gather time travel. Correct. So technically, the would not be from the Dark Times. They would they be would be after. after. Why yes. would that? Why would that be? Because the time they're they're part of the Ragnos Wars are part of what's called the Time Wars, oh. where there's multiple time wars going on. Oh, okay. With different people, including the vampires. So the true 
War with the Vampires takes place after the Dark Times. Oh, okay. It's pedantic. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> but maybe no, that it, makes you feel better. Uh, maybe a little bit, but they I mean, it's, it's still going back to Rassalonian times, right? Which is and it, it's still something that's been frowned upon in general, right? I, it's, I suppose it's, that's the next question: days. Are we looking at are we looking at the the Dark Times in all capital letters, or are we looking at the Dark Ages of Gallifrey? Because any Time Lord that is referencing something from their prehistory, where it's like, oh, that's before you know. Uh, Rassilon and Omega harnessed the power of the black hole and gave us time travel. Anything prior to that would be the Dark Ages and therefore, you know, the Dark Times. Is the Dark Times, in all capital letters, a different event or, or time frame from the universe's standpoint as opposed to a Gallifreyan standpoint? And that's also very pedantic, but I yeah. suppose that could be argued that way. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I, I, the, the reason why I had thought that this was pre-time travel, I don't remember them talking about time wars, but I'm taking... I, I uh, According to TARDIS Wiki. Right, yeah. I, and I, I'm, I, I'm taking that as fact because it is in the TARDIS Wiki and they're very smart. But the reason, <laughs> reason I thought that is because they don't call their vessels TARDISes. They call them. In fact, the doctor TT has yeah, right. He has to correct it to TT capsules, and I assumed it was because they don't travel in time yet. But wouldn't I don't that know. be what TT stands for? Time travel. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe early time. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Maybe early yeah. time travel. Tra I mean, maybe not. I, I I don't. I think that's another one of those things that somewhere in a, uh, a technical manual they they did break down what TT capsule stood for. I seem to remember that now. It might even be the doctor who. Uh, it might even be the Doctor Who technical manual. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, and I, I, I envision the TT capsule was probably the, the the well, obviously the primitive Tardises that didn't have the multi-dimensional rooms in them. They just had the one central room, and you had to have like five people lying down operating it. So, in fact, um, what was the? There was a a big finished box set that had the. I think it was their anniversary special that they did, where they had all of the actors that had played the doctors in that final one with Leela and Romana. And I think they were actually, that was because it was the first flight. I think they actually, that they were in a TT capsule in that as well. Probably the, the first one, as a matter of fact. So mm -hmm. anyway, okay. Well then that, that, that actually, Anyways. that fixes it for me. And in fact, I think this is an area that I don't think necessary. I mean, it's probably frowned upon, but it's not off limits. So I suppose that's okay then. Like I say, I didn't, be, I didn't necessarily you know, have a problem. It may be one of those, you know, end of dark times, beginning of, you know, time Lord power. Yeah. There's overlap sort like of situation. I'll be able to see in the, in the, the early days when Rassilon is, is coming to power. So yeah, before their, uh, you know, rules of non-interference, obviously. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> before the dark times. Before the Empire, and like I say, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. It just seemed like it's this is it's been happening more frequently. But I'll give this one a pass because I, you fixed it. What else about this? I, I when I say this is an exhausting story, by the way, not just because audially it is hard to listen to the Rachnos. I mean, they did they all did a, a wonderful job, and it was nice to hear. Uh, is it Adoja Ondo? Is that how you say her name? Who obviously played. Martha Smith's mom in the, the TV series. Mm -hmm. um, it was nice to hear her. You know, I, I hadn't heard anything um, lately that, that she had done. Um, and I thought they I all did a... Her back in that role. Wasn't she originally the... I don't think she originally played the oh, Empress. Oh, she was Yeah, it was right. a different actress that played played her in that. Um, 
But I thought that not only was it just difficult to continue to listen to that way they talked, the hissing, um, it was also so much the, and, and, and I appreciated the way the story went, but it was just that back and forth of the doctor being being manipulated and used over and over again. I don't have a problem with the manipulation. It just seemed like just when you think something's been resolved, we turn around and find out that there's been a double cross, only to turn around and find out there was a double double cross. And it was like just this the back and forth was just by the time I was like, okay, I've got a headache now. This is there's way so much going on here, but Yeah, but I also did like and appreciate the complexity they put into the the society they created around Arachnos, the idea that, you know, this Arachnos, the, the emperor, emperor was trying to, you know, save his children from having to go to war and all that stuff. I, 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 I enjoyed the exploration of their society. I just wish they weren't so screamy yeah. and hissy. Right. Right. Yeah. The world building is top notch. It's just questionable because of because of who it is it's like uh i would have rather had world building with a nice book by the fire <laughs> and he was reading an oral history of the rachnos <laughs> that, that would have excited me a little bit <laughs> and then he sets the book down and goes well thank goodness we didn't go there and uh you know <laughs> move on <laughs> Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right. Let's move on to the Carrionite curse. Yes. Katie Bell returns to her Midlands home to find the strange goings-on at the Buskers Fair, a witch trial in the 1980s, a bonfire ready to be lit. Luckily, a colorful visitor is already investigating, and the local vicar, Katie's dad, is versed in tales of the macrobat. I did not say that right, but that's all right. Terrifying forces are on the loose, and the town hall holds a secret. There is a black magic in the black country, and the doctor has the name of his enemy on the tip of his tongue. Something wicked this way comes. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. This was another one. That <laughs> it, it, it had elements that I liked. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the, the witches uh, making a return appearance. And if any doctor was going to face off with these things that uh, are, are, are hurt by words. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Let it be the sixth doctor. <laughs> it's either six or seven there. I mean, it could go either way, but six is higher. But six six is more of the orator. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the grandstanding politician, uh, you know, throwing out $10 words in a $2 speech, uh, kind of, kind of individual. 
and I loved that they they played on that. They played on it early, and then they played, it, and he even calls it out. Oh yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing here, and uh, it was so. Colin Baker's performance was quite delightful in in, yeah. in that regard. Um, unfortunately, the 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 science behind the mysticism of of how the witches work. I, ne I never really felt, even in the TV episode, that it was clearly established, just that words have power, and that's kind of where they left it. And with the breakneck pace and loud music that, uh, <laughs> that Marie Cole <laughs> gave us during that time frame, you just kind of rolled with it and went on. When you're doing it this way, and it's a return visit, and specifically the same group that, oh, you know, we're, we're doing this paradox thing where we're coming back and threatening you before you've met us, ha, ha, ha. Well, now I want you to go into it a little bit more. I, I, I need you to kind of explain maybe what I didn't get the first time around. And they were going that direction. And then it just kind of also devolved into, well, because. And it's, it's, it's one of those supernatural elements to Doctor Who that anytime we veer into this territory gets just, it's, it's fuzzy logic. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes it just not work for me. I also personally had a, a an issue. I don't know why. Early on, I assumed <laughs> it, it just felt like maybe that they were doing the Salem witch trials, and so my brain planted us in Massachusetts, <laughs> and then this goth chick shows up, and it's like, okay, we're obviously not back in the Salem witch trials, but it's it's like hocus pocus. It's just present day. Okay, and I ran with that for a while. <laughs> Until she said, oh, my dad's the vicar. And I went, what? And it really kind of brought the whole proceedings to a screeching halt while my brain tried to resort the fact that, no, we are still in England. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, well, so American accents. So when they yeah, said, I mean, just, when they said Birmingham, did you think Alabama at that point? Or? That was my next point. Yeah. <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> and, and, and I was going to bring it up. I literally, I had, I had written a note off to the side while I was listening to this. I was like, make sure to talk to the guys about the fact that they didn't do the horrible American Southern accent. <laughs> The, and then like I had to scratch it out because like oh no 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 we're not doing it. okay but yeah it just it it threw me off at about the you know a third of the way in that I finally caught up and went oh so that one's on me but it's just I'm gonna blame Shy she's been watching the Witch's Ghost of the Scooby Doo movies uh, recently and that, that I'm gonna I'm just gonna say that's where my brain mentally linked it to I'll tell you for me it was it was a little bit of the same way I didn't think. Salem, Massachusetts, but I felt that it must have been, you know, in the 17, 1600s, something, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Witchfinder era. And so when they set it up that way, I thought that. And then when they concretely say it's the 1980s, I thought, oh, wow, that really just was a neat little twist. But I, I'm going to echo almost everything else that Sean said because I agree. I think the defeating the Carrionite with words isn't well explained. And I, when they have Lightfoot's, was it Lightfoot's book? Yeah. When they have mm -hmm. Lightfoot's book, I thought, oh, this is great. We're going to actually get a little more substantial reasoning for why the words. And I really felt they were going that direction with it. And they really don't. It really just is the information that the words is, is what, you know, binds them. So I, 
I agree. Yeah, I had a problem. It doesn't even have to be the big words. It just right. has to be words. And, and that was going to small words. And that yeah. was, I think, that w- what bothered me as well, because then it just seems like any amount of English that you spout at them would, would you know, end up uh, being able to work against them. So it didn't, it didn't really work. I mean, they did kind of establish that it has to be somebody with authority. And, it ha- you know, they had those little nuggets of it that, that they felt like they were building on. Uh, the lore of the Carrionite, but I've just, I've never been a fan of the Carrionite. I didn't care for him that much in the Shakespeare Code, although I think the Shakespeare Code is a good story. I just never really liked the idea of the, of the Carrionites. Um, so no, I, I would echo everything that you said, Sean. It just, it, it, it's a decent story. And I agree that the Sixth Doctor is the perfect, the perfect doctor for this story, but just the, the mechanism is weak. And was it was, just now? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Keith. I was go ahead. Well, I, I, I had two things to to piggy off of that. Um, the first, uh, the the book by Lightfoot. This is, um, the Jago and Lightfoot. Lightfoot. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's. I, I I thought that was because they asked it. Do you know him? And he kind of, hmm, which we haven't got to the sixth Doctor Jago and Lightfoot story yet. Um, but that made sense that it was. But I wasn't sure. Um, the other one was not, not only are we muddling the big word, small word, you know, oh, pithy, pithy is a good word. Ah, you know, and it, it almost devolves into, you know, there are certain words the Knights of Knee cannot hear. <laughs> and I had to stifle Snickers because I'm thinking it's say it's, <laughs> um, but then he throws out, uh, oh, what was the, 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 the paradox, the futuristic word. Hyperlink. Hyperlink. He throws out hyperlink, and suddenly the spell is broken, and they have gained all the strength back because, oh, that's a word that doesn't exist in this time frame. That's oh, anachronistic, yeah. Really? That's where we're going to go? Okay. I mean, it, it was just one more silly rule yeah, <laughs> on right. a stack of, <laughs> I'm not sure you've explained this well, and now you're putting something else on there to deal. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Keith. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I really like Katie. I thought she was, I, I I agree with all you guys' complaints, but on the flip side of it, I thought Katie was a, a really interesting character. I thought she had a great chemistry with the Doctor, and the fact that she sacrifices herself, I thought was a nice touch yeah. to end the story with. Yeah. It made me sad that she actually died, and you know, unlike the fourth Doctor story, I didn't really care that much when all those people died. <laughs> right. So no, but we were meant we were meant to, about Katie, we, yeah, so. we weren't meant to like those people, but yeah, Katie, they were definitely, yeah. definitely de- developing her as a likable character. Well, and it's funny too, because she, honestly, she was almost too likable. There, there, I felt there was a little something off about her and she wasn't phased by the alien stuff. She wasn't phased by the bigger on the inside. She just kind of rolled with the punches with it. And normally I applaud that when you get somebody along those lines. But I also immediately with my guard went up like, okay, so what's the, what's the catch? Why, why are you so, you know, why are you so cool with this? To the point where I kind of kept waiting for the reveal that she's secretly a villain, that yeah, she's going to be taking over the power, that she's going to be doing this. Yep. And then she did. And I went, aha, there it is. Only to have the rug pulled out from under me right. because no, she was literally taken over. I was like, oh, yeah. well now I feel kind of bad for suspecting her. This right. No, I, I thought I was the yeah. same way, exact same way. I thought, and oh, then, and then she died, she's and the then I got guy. hit with that one. So, yeah. 
Yeah, aside from all the issues with the Carrionite, I think the the way they crafted the story with the ups and downs and the twists and turns was it was well done. It's just it's the problem the Carrionite problem in general. It's just a yeah. problem with that villain, anyways. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. The last one, the day of the Bastinarada. As the time war rages, Cardinal Lalistra of Gallifrey seeks to create an ever more dangerous weapon to deploy against the enemy. When the Doctor stumbles across Synthesis Station, he discovers that the Time Lords have sponsored a project to weaponize an already lethal creatures. But in doing so, Eva Morrison and her team have unwittingly used the colony of Vashtanarada with a very unfortunate history of humanoid contact. The Doctor finds himself leading a desperate race for survival which in the shadows may be the least of his worries. <laughs> who who looks at a shark and thinks, that's ah, all right, could use more teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that line sums up everything wrong with Time Lord militarist <laughs> thinking. <laughs> well, you know, if, uh, if the first one was aliens, this is Jurassic Park. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, to, to the point where the, the lab tech who smuggles things out, his name was Dendry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Come on, guys. Really? We're not even trying here. Dennis Nedry, Dendry. All right, sure. <laughs> Having um, said that, I still thought this was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked a lot of the things they did with it. I, I think what I struggled with, and it's not the story, it's not the fault of the story, but what I struggled with is it's, it's another attempt uh, by Gallifrey to weaponize something that, that they should not be weaponizing. And it's the, the, just the idiocy, it, it, it just stacks well, so on the... every time that they, they do something like this. I got the impression that, you know, they didn't seek out to do this. They just saw an opportunity and said, hey, we can turn that into a weapon, too. No, no, that's true. Like, like the fact that she's, you know, trying to save her mom from all of this with what she's she's doing, the genetic manipulation to the Vassar Narada in order to save her mother. And then the Time Lords say, hey, we can fund that if you give us to us as a weapon. Right. It you doesn't, know, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it, doesn't a, it doesn't make any difference. It is still the, yeah, it's, it's still Gallifrey it, trying to weaponize something that shouldn't be weaponized. And that's what I think makes this, I think that was one of the, the saving grace for that is the fact that it was her trying to uh, incorporate the nanobots with the Vastanarata in order to do something good. And realizing that, okay, well, with this good, I'm going to have to do something, you know, that maybe isn't as, that maybe is a little bit sketchy, but I'm, you know, I'm doing it for a good cause. So it was like the, the, the means justify the, or the, uh, uh, yeah, that saying, um, the end justifies the means. And so I, I liked that. I, I was I was glad that, that that was her motivation for it. But it's just again, it was just one more of those. Okay. And then on top of that, it's uh, you know Alestra. She it of course it's Alestra. Of course, of course it's Alestra. Of course it's her. It has to be Alestra. <laughs> and I absolutely love Alestra, and I still completely saddened by the fact that we lost the actress. But it just was <laughs> another. Okay, here we go again. <laughs> The whole, the whole enterprise just strikes me as uh, 
do you guys remember snakes on a plane? <laughs> I, I, I try I try to forget it but yes <laughs> so th- there's a line from the 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 drug dealer well we oh okay I was gonna say because we can't say that one line on the podcast <laughs> no we're not gonna say that <laughs> okay but the, the the drug dealer's on the phone talking with somebody as they put this plan into motion and for those of you who have not seen snakes on a plane the whole point is... No, the title says it all. Just go on. The title says, we're going to get rid of a witness by putting a bunch of poisonous snakes on a plane. And so he's on the phone, and he says, don't you think I looked at every other conceivable option? <laughs> and I felt... I, I just that That is the greatest line in the history of bad writing. Because immediately I'm like, you're telling me you don't have anybody in L.A. that has a surface air missile. That could have just taken the plane out when they hit, you know, when they hit the beach. <laughs> you don't have anybody that you could have bribed to, to you know, sabotage the engines or, you know. Dropped uh, a biological uh, weapon on there besides Dropped snakes, a biological obviously. weapon. Uh, I, I'm sorry. One guy with a gun smuggled into the customs and then, blam, shoots the guy on the plane. I, you know, there, there's so many. We tried every other conceivable option. So. Were rhinos on a plane ever considered? <laughs> I mean, I really want to analyze the thought process of this. This is what Gallifrey's like. Gallifrey has, I'm sure, weapons planets where the factories are just churning out the bigger and better stasers. And well, we know they do because Bliss's planet was turned into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so they, 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 you know, to quote Armageddon, you got a whole room full of people just thinking stuff up, and. At no point in time have they come up with a biological agent that eats darkanium, dalacanium, or, uh, you know, no. What are we going to do? Well, we've got these panther-like creatures, and we're going to weaponize them and because they, they, they're scary. Oh, we've got this thing, which is a nightshade, and it's terrified of everything, but we're going to terrify it against them and not us. Or, hey, the Vashtanarada, they're scary. Let's send them in. What? <laughs> You guys went through every viable option before you got to this point, right? Right? <laughs> but doctor, but doctor, they eat through Dolicadium, but they also eat through everything else. <laughs> when the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. <laughs> so here's here's the other thing. The, what what is cool? What what is cool about this is and it was it was a natural evolution, and it feels like Jurassic World now. But the the idea of going <laughs> into the the go, oh my god! So going into that room, going into that room, and finding out that we have the re, the absolutely reverse of the the what what the Vastinarata are you know attracted to the dark, weakness to the light. Now we've got something that's the complete opposite. I thought, oh, that is so cool. I love the fact that they did that and they engineered that. But don't say it. Please don't say. Please don't say Narada Vashta. Please don't call him that. And then she called him that and I went, oh no. <laughs> but I'm dying. Regardless, I, I did love the idea of that. I think all the ideas of how they've manipulated the Vastor Narada were fairly clever. Even even, well, even the that big giant giant one. one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the different they they've thought through why they would do each thing that they did. It's yeah. just unfortunate that they decided to do these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and then uh, you know when 
the large ones eating through. They finally they get you know they they manage to trick it, run it off so that they can get through the access thing into the uh, uh, chamber and then get to the door to get through. And then the thing comes after them and is actually eating through the door. And the realization that oh wait, this thing relies on its nanobots. And so to deactivate that, I was oh that was really clever. That was just a really yeah. on the spot come up with that. Oh yeah, by the way, we can't. We have because you. I I I was thinking the whole time, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this? And so when she comes up with that idea, that oh yeah, absolutely, that's brilliant. Because it's, because the doctor had it's had so simple, it's brilliant. Well, exactly, and the doctor they telegraphed or, it to us because the doctor had utilized that you know mechanism earlier in the story. So and that's why she or, realized or, it. Is it so simple it's brilliant, or is it so simple it's stupid? Because, <laughs> well, we've got an off switch. Just just flick the switch. That's all you <laughs> do that before someone died. <laughs> yeah. The poor guy holding the door up. Who's another one of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in my head, they're all the same species. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I can't verify that. But, well, it, it, yeah. yeah, it reminded me of the big brute guy in the in the first story, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I just uh, going all the way back to one of the Eighth Doctor adventures when they were on the uh, moon of uh, Phobos, and his, he's he's like this nine foot tall yak, you know, and he, he's holding up the holding up the door, and then he gets eaten. It's like you couldn't have turned it off before then, because I liked that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I digress. It was, I'll, I'll and, let it slide. How does the the designer of this facility or the the designer's daughter not know the in and out of that built of that space station where she wouldn't know where to go next and had to rely on this one guy with a map. Well, no, you should know every nook and cr- if you are the director of the facility, you should know every nook and cranny of that facility. I I think you're giving her too much credit because a lot of time eggheads know everything about what they specialize in, but they don't know anything about what they're in charge of. I think that happens frequently in real reality. So I had no problem with that being a, a factor with this. Yeah, she, she she knew the route to her quarters, to the cantina, and to the lab. Right, everything that was the only where she went. And but everything wasn't else, she like the highest level person there. Yeah, she should have known more than that. No, though. that's yeah, that's I, I, I get the that's what you would know that's, that. That's but what the you, highest level. That's my what you lab director no, knows every nook and cranny of. No, all that. I disagree with that. That's what you have people under you for. Is so that they know every nook and cranny. You get all of that so so that your focus is on one thing. And you, I no, I I completely believe she wouldn't know that. Oh, like you know, an engineer like Scotty or or Jordy, Yes, they know all the Jeffrey's tubes and crawl spaces in the Enterprise. Uh, you know, Doctor McCoy is the king of sick bay, but I doubt he knows how to get there from somewhere else if the main corridor is out of commission. Well, I would even argue that uh, probably. Uh, Kirk, what name could not come to me? Uh, I, I I would imagine Kirk probably doesn't know every nook and cranny of this uh, the USS Enterprise at least in TOS. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. That's that... why he has people, so they know that, so they can give him that information when it becomes necessary. Well, it just seemed like she did. And it, it wasn't like Jeffrey. Some of it was Jeffrey's tubes, but some of it was like, well, I don't know what corridor this leads to. How do you not know that? You're supposed to be the director of this facility. <laughs> I think you're giving. I think you're, I think you're giving people in power too much credit. <laughs> I guess my experience with people in power in a laboratory setting is they know a lot more of everything that's going on 
overall. Yeah. She was busy directing. Right. <laughs> she was too focused on the work. Was, I think, that's yeah. that's exactly she what was I'm... Too, she wasn't focused enough on the administration. That's exactly what I'm saying, is she was very much focused on what she was, what she specialized in and not what she was responsible for, so... See, there, there was a whole backstory to her character where they revealed that she's been working so hard and such long hours that sometimes she would literally wake up with a cup of coffee in front of her in, 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 the, in the cantina and not remember how she got there. Right, right. Uh, but it was the story was just running too long. So <laughs> <laughs> there, I fixed it for you, Keith. <laughs> Thanks. And that was a that was a minor uh, complaint. I mean, overall, the the story is is I, I enjoyed it, and I think part of the everybody dying aspect is just a vast errata, you know. Not no one survived the library, no one survived the first story, no one survives this story except for you know Alistra and the doctor because they have to, right? <laughs> right, all right. Well, what do we got coming up next on the schedule? Well, this ends act two of the time war officially, uh, as Glenn pointed out. Uh, the day of the Vachan and Rada would then be followed by Legacy of Time and Night of the Doctor, which we've already reviewed, but that's where it would slot in if you're doing everything chronologically. For us, we are going to step aside from the Time War for uh, a moment and review the recently released Doctor Who Am I, which is a documentary that was put together by Matthew Jacobs, who was the writer of the TV movie. And uh, see, uh, where I believe it's all focusing on conventions. And the experience therein, I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I've not, I've not no, done like homework on I, it yet. I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and I think it's more of the the reason why it's Jacobs is because it it the, I think it explores his personal story of how it the the sh- the uh, TV movie was so derided in the and in ninety six when it came out. And shortly after, by fans, um, that he really kind of stepped away from everything, and you know didn't want to have anything to do with fandom. Or, um, of course, we're going to learn a lot of this. I don't want to spoil too much, but he stepped away from it because he didn't want anything to do with fandom because they he was really getting a, a bad rap for having done this. And it wasn't until he was invited back to another convention that he realized that over so many years. Fans had changed, and they also had changed their opinion of the TV movie. And so he it's kind of his journey and realization to where things were when he left off and where they are at, at a point now where a lot of that's behind uh, him and, and people actually are, are, are much more welcoming of that film and and the story that he told. So I think that's kind of what the focus of this whole the whole story is. It, it does take place at conventions and it is it was done in fact a lot of the the shoots are at conventions and and they talk i think they talked to well even ken deep who runs um li who i think is one of the people featured in the documentary so um but you're right it is it is focusing on conventions but it also focuses on that element of and that's what kind of bridges that with the convention uh, aspect of it so it looks intriguing. Well, it, Absolutely, it's very intriguing. And any yeah. excuse to talk more about Doctor Who the movie, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> oh, uh, and then after that, we will jump back into the Time War in the beginnings of Act Three with the War Doctor begins, 
the uh, first box set founded in fire. Uh, and then we are gonna we're gonna kind of skip around and kind of do some rotating themes this year, uh, because of course this is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, and uh, so we have some fun things planned for that. We uh, of course will continue with Act Three of the Time War, and we will also be uh, uh, delving into Season Six B. Dun dun dun. <laughs> and of course we'll explain that a little bit more for. Anybody that might be new to that concept. All right. Well, you can find us at TravelingTheVortex.com. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our Patreon link and consider supporting us. And when you become a patron of this podcast, you unlock more audios and specials by us. And if you could just even give us, you know, as much as $3 a month, that would help us keep the lights on. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast. And make sure you join in the conversation in our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to cover before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.